Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wow, the last few weeks we've been doing a series on relationships, how that God wants us to partner with Him and our friendships and our marriages and our families and, and how awesome it is to do life not on your own but with other people, to be in the family of God, to have friends, not to just be busy on your own but sharing the journey of life. Then we looked at some of the, uh, the net rippers, the things that try and tear our relationships that if we don't address them, they will separate even the closest of friends and then life gets very hurtful and painful. But Jesus has come to show us a better way of life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. This was read twice at the Ash and Renee's wedding yesterday and it stirred me again. In the Amplified Version it says, Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Wow. That's a bit of a challenge for all of us sensitive souls or those that get stirred up and frustrated quickly. This is the type of love that Jesus has come to fill our hearts with. So it's not overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. Love never fails, it never fades nor ends. I think we need to stop and pray there right now because someone's thinking, God, I got about one out of ten on that list. (laughs) We probably all feel that when you start measuring up to God's amazing idea of love and how he pours it out and wants us to learn to live that out in our families, our marriages, our homes. But hey, the Holy Spirit has come to help us to grow in all of these. Why don't we take a moment and pray? Father, you're so good. Lord, if we look at our own lives, we think, wow, there's so many of those that we've only just started on. And some of them we regularly fall short. And others, we see them growing in our lives and we see the fruit of it. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us to grow in love. Grow in ways to communicate and receive that love. And help us to deal with the things that try and rob and steal from our souls and from our lives in partnership and friendship in our church and in our relationships. Lord, we want to demonstrate your kind of love to this broken, hurting world in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a list. If you're ever being stretched in your relationships, I always read 1 Corinthians 13. I heard D.L. Moody say, if you're wrestling with growing in love, just read that every day for at least a month and you'll find some things will start to shift in the way you treat yourselves and others. I thought, wow, that is really, really, really powerful. Read in a few different versions. So I started a couple of weeks ago talking about some of the net rippers uh, Jesus saw these disciples repairing their nets, and nets speak about relationships. That's what we have the word networking. And so relationship, and they were, the nets just got torn, not because they'd, someone had deliberately slashed, and they just got stretched and torn in the busyness of being fish, fishing and work. So our relationships get tested and stretched and sometimes challenged and sometimes torn, and we've got to be aware of what some of those net rippers are and how we can counteract those and build into our lives. The first one was unresolved 
offences. It's fairly easy to be offended or to offend someone else and becomes a major issue if it is not faced and resolved. And God wants to help us to face and deal with those things in our lives. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers and forgives an offence seeks love, but he who repeats or gossips about a matter separates intimate friends. And Jesus talks about forgiving, loving, sharing, and uh, not letting unresolved things. Some of us are really good at hiding stuff. You know, we bury it. We think it'll go away. But guess what? When you bury it, it shoots, starts shooting up all these other shoots and it gets worse, not better. And so we avoid. Some people are terrible avoiders. Some of us are really good at blaming others. And some of us are really good at burying and hiding. But I've learned after over a few years of life, 37 years of marriage, and uh, raising three kids and now two grandkids, I've learned that you can't avoid things. You can't bury things and you can't ignore things because they will come back and bite you and they'll come with interest. And it's a challenge because God wants us to deal with unresolved offences. Second one was uncontrolled tongue. They all start with you, so it's easy to remember. The uncontrolled tongue. And uh, James talks about the tongue being a little member that can set the whole forest on fire. And how often do we say one angry word or one unnecessary word and then you're spending months or years trying to sort that out oh god help us to uh, protect and proverbs is just full of all these amazing words of wisdom and proverbs 15 verse 4 in the message says kind words heal and help cutting words wound and maim wow and we've all been on the end of someone's tongue that they've been sharpening up all week ready ready to just sort us out or we've been the one that's caused that to others out of frustration or pain or disappointment. But the Lord is there to help us control. Because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Uh-oh. Sometimes they say count ten before you say those cutting angry words. Some of us need to count to a thousand and ten before. <laughs> to give you a really good time to settle it down. Or someone's need to say a quick prayer. Help, Lord, I need self-control right now. And on the opposite side, the power of healing words, the power of encouraging words, the power of loving words, the power of prophetic words that you believe in someone. And sometimes instead of having a go at something, you say, hey, I really believe you're made for better stuff than that and God's got a better future than living at this level. And instead of condemning and judging, you're actually lifting and encouraging people to rise to what you see they can and could be and should be. So there's all sorts of ways and we won't spend lots of time because we've um, talked about... And the third one was the unforgiving spirit. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, the Amplified, at the end of the Lord's Prayer... For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. Whoa. We sometimes brush over right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts or trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. It's a challenge we all face in the journey of life. Maybe it's in your workplace. How come there's always one in the workplace you just can't get on with? It just seems like they just happen to pop up and be there. If it's the boss, that's hard work. <laughs> 
in a family, in a network of friends. There seems to be just someone that is just too like you, and they're a mirror that annoy you, or they're just too different. You think, wow, I just can't bridge the gap. But God in His grace teaches us how to forgive. Forgiveness can tear and damage relationships. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? Up to seven times. He was feeling really spiritual that day, saying, God, I've really got a handle on this. And Jesus looked at him with eyes of love and compassion and challenged it. I say to you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 490. That's a lot of times to forgive someone. In other words, let it become a lifestyle. Don't count them all off. 439, we've still got some more to go. That's not what he's saying. Don't keep a record of it on your computer, on the, on the calendar, on the back of the calendar, you've got all these ticks. Yep, you're only up to 323. We're okay yet. <laughs> no, it's about a lifestyle of saying, God, I'm going to choose to ask you to help me to find ways to forgive and not to record them all and add them all up. Matthew 18, 32, Jesus told that parable of the guy who owed a whole lot of money and, and he forgave him. And then that same person went out and found someone who owed him just a few dollars and he challenged him, said, pay me, he can't, throw him in the jail. The master said in Matthew 18, 32, then his master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible slave, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have, have mercy on your fellow slave you owed? who owed you little by comparison as I had mercy on you. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers or jailers until he paid all that he owed. My heavenly Father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Whoa. Jesus was such an amazing man of faith and love and restored relationships, but he had some pretty challenging things to say. I reckon some churches wouldn't even have Jesus come and preach in their pulpits because, mate, he was so radical. He was challenged to the heart. And yet he not only challenges, but he showed us ways to deal with it so that we can live in our marriages. We can treat our spouses with the love that God wants us to do. We can grow and learn to be healed and restored in our lives. Unforgiveness can lead to torment and torture for yourself and others. If you've been the victim of it, you know how painful it is. And if you've been the one that's been doing it, eventually it, it, you reap what you sow. And that's a sad fact of life, but it's also the truth. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many being defiled. Don't allow hurt and offense grow into unforgiveness and then bitterness. I read this uh, years ago. It says, don't curse your hurts. In other words, blaming others or yourself. Don't nurse your hurts going over and over them. Don't rehearse your hurts, but reverse them through forgiveness. That's a powerful thought. It's so easy because when you get hurt and disappointed and upset, you end up going over them and nurse them saying, well, yeah, they were so wrong and I'm so hurt. And that's how our human nature goes. And that's why Jesus spoke so much about this because the word for offense or unforgiveness is like a trap that can trap your soul and destroy great friendships and relationships. So don't uh, curse them and blame others. Don't nurse them. Don't rehearse them, but reverse them through forgiveness and the grace of Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate and understanding, 
forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. If you wait till you feel like forgiving, guess what? You'll never get there because your own heart will just keep justifying and building the hurt. It's a choice, saying your word says, Lord, I need your help because this is hard. It's never easy to forgive, but with Christ's help and his example, we can, and it can break the cycle. And you say, well, I've forgiven him so many times. Well, how many times has Jesus forgiven you? Wow, that's what he said. Remember how much he's forgiven you. That will help you then to choose, and he'll give you courage and ways to help forgiving others. Now, that doesn't mean being broken and abused by someone who's not safe. There are boundaries and there are choices. I understand all that. But it's the heart that you need to allow God to get free in in your soul. Every relationship is tested. Our relationship with the Lord is often tested as the enemy comes to confront and undermine your walk with Jesus. Guess what? The more you press in, the more the enemy will contend with you. Because he tries to destroy your relationship with God by causing you to get offended or upset at God, getting you to misunderstand His ways or purposes. So the enemy's out to tear relationships. And then our relationships and friendships get tested. All the married people here, you know there's been some tests in your marriages. Often the first year or two, there's a whole lot because you start to see how opposite your personalities are, how different you are. And so it gets tested. But then you have to make a choice saying, I love and love's going to overcome the differences. Marilyn and I, we've been married 37 years. And I remember a few years after we got married, we did one of those communication personality tests. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're scary. We did one that had 176 questions. They were yes or no answers. It wasn't sort of multiple choice. We agreed on one out of 176 we looked at each other, each other and we laughed and we laughed and wow, we are so opposite in just about everything of life. And yet God put us together and we've had the most amazing adventure, but we have had to regularly choose to say, wow, I don't quite see life the way you're seeing it, but with God's grace, I'm going to learn to listen and hear. And both of us have grown and matured as people. Every now and then we still hit one of them and think, wow, that must be one of those 176 we still haven't worked through yet. <laughs> Because we're human. And uh, I remember the first year, because Marilyn, she loves garlic and onion, all the spicy foods. And I was brought up in plain foods. And she thought, and I said, look, it, my body reacts to it. She says, oh, I'll sort of fix him out. So she put all this garlic in. I ended up in hospital after six months from overload and food poisoning from too much garlic in my system. I said, I told you it wasn't good for me. She said, okay, I get it. <laughs> she thought it was just in my head. And there were times where I had things that I expected, I had unfulfilled expectations, and we thought, okay, male, female, different dynamics. I'm an extrovert, she's more an introvert. And I realized that I got charged up with people. She loves people, but then would need rest and time to recover. Took me several years to learn how that worked. So we had some interesting moments along the journey, just like every one of us do in friendships and relationships. But it's learning to grow and forgive and flow. I read the word for today. I think it's today's one. Some of you might have read this. It just really touched my heart. At 92, Jenny never missed a chance to recall how her sister refused to buy her a pair of shoes 50 years ago. <laughs> All those years marinating in the gall of bitterness. Ann Peterson says, an offence burrows into our hearts. We replay it, creating ruts that we hard to rebuild later. 
We enlist support, which pushes us further into resentment. We decipher the offence as intentional and our offender as full of spite. As we find reasons, real or imagined, to dislike them, we form another layer of bitterness. Then like a beach ball, we try to submerge it. It pops up, splashing everyone. The Bible says, make sure bitterness doesn't take root and grow up to cause trouble that corrupts many. Hebrews 12, 15. So remember, forgiveness isn't optional. If possible, as far as it depends, you live at peace with everyone. It may not be possible to live in harmony with everyone, but God still requires you to forgive those who've hurt you. As you forgive, you're forgiven. The Bible says when you're full of bitterness, you're captive to sin. Don't forget, Jesus didn't just die for you, he died for those who offend you. Do they deserve forgiveness? No, but then again, do you? And then pray for your enemies. Ask God to bring to mind the people you need to forgive and melt the bitterness in your heart towards them. It's impossible to harbour resentment towards someone you're praying for. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Wow. Yes, sometimes it's hard to forgive, but you can do all things through Jesus Christ. Wow. So 50 years, that's a long time to be hassling about a pair of shoes, eh? That might be an extreme, but some of us have stuff in our hearts that we just sort of let accumulate. I'm thinking, Lord... Teach us how to let go because wa- he wants us to have wholesome, loving, fulfilling marriages and friendships and families. But little things like this can just tear, can undermine. And the enemy will be there stirring it up so that you will uh, be offended. Next one is unfulfilled expectations. Wow. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Wow, wow. Hope deferred. Unrealistic and unfulfilled expectations can discourage and even ruin people. Expectations for ourselves, our spouse, our family. Be yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Some parents, I've seen this and we're all guilty of it at times, try to live their frustrated and unfulfilled dreams through their children. You've seen that. Parents put their kids into the ballet class. The poor kid can't dance but they wanted to be tense. Well, they put them into a football competition. The poor kid can't even see the ball, let alone get a goal. And they just push and drive their kids to fulfill something. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he or she should go, and then they won't depart. But God puts all his unique gifts and abilities, personalities in every child. It's a parent's privilege and response to help find out the way they're meant to go and help them fulfill that spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And I've been, when our kids used to play junior soccer, you'd be on the sidelines, and some of the parents, I think, guys, you need to take a, take a chill pill for a minute and think about what you're doing to your poor kid out there. <laughs> and uh, to live out our lives, have great dreams for our children and grandchildren, but don't drive them to be something they were never created to be. Let's not put our unfulfilled expectations on them. Let's all live out our lives, some of you are laughing because you know that's how it works sometimes. Encouragement is a very powerful thing, but flattery can raise unrealistic expectations. Even when someone prophesies a word over you, the Bible says to judge prophecies, discern whether they're from God or not. Because 99 times out of 100, when you're in a loving, safe family, it just inspires you. Every now and then, a word will come, you think, that doesn't quite sit right. And I've actually seen and heard it where someone will 
be prophesying or giving a word, but it's out of a whole mixture of their own soul and their own unfulfilled desires coming through the word. So it's like a real mixed word that has a seed of truth, but there's so much other emotion with it that just doesn't set, settle right. Don't let that squash your control. You just put it to the side and say, Lord, if, if there's truth in that, bring it to pass, but Lord, I don't want to be put into a controlling situation that's not right. And that's not to despise prophesying, I love it, but I also have seen occasionally where someone out of their own insecurity is projecting something onto someone that's not fully the Word of God. Just give that to God. We're human, we're still learning, and God's grace can be there. So unfulfilled expectations can be such a powerful thing. The next one is unwise leadership actions. King Saul, sadly, was a clear example of this. Unwise leadership action. He was driven by fear and insecurity. He didn't wait till the prophet comes, so he gave the sacrifice and then he got in trouble. And then they didn't uh, destroy all the enemy's uh, um, sheep and said, well, we're going to keep them to give to God. And God said, well, I want you to get rid of them and I'll give you something better to give to me. And then uh, another time, the people were out in a day of battle and they were overcoming the enemy and Saul foolishly declared a day of fasting on that day. So here's the poor soldiers out winning a victory and then they're fainting by the end of the day because Saul said, hey, don't eat today. How crazy is that? That's a really unwise leadership decision. And, and sometimes people do the dumbest things. If you're in any area of leadership as a boss or a, or a ministry or parenting occasionally, we just make a wrong call. And I did that when one of my sons I shared before was just giving us a rough time and pushing the boundaries and out of frustration, I said, you're grounded for the next six months. You know, and then I thought about it. How's that going to work? <laughs> it was totally out of proportion to what was going on. And that was an unwise leadership decision, which I had to find a way to apologize and work our way through. We do it in life. Occasionally, I've seen pastors and leaders in churches do really dumb things. I'm just being honest. I've been around long enough to know some of them are wise enough to say, look, I'm really sorry. I really didn't get the timing or that flow right. Others never do and they wonder why people don't follow them. God help us to walk with grace, with wisdom. We need to walk steps of faith, but we need to make sure we're not controlling. If you're in any area of leadership from a parent to a, a boss or a, a life group leader or a circle of friends or in ministry, make sure you're not leading out of control, intimidation or fear but lead out of love and encouragement and seeing the best to arrive and release people to flourish. And that's our heart as a church. We want to bless and encourage and release people to flourish for the kingdom of God. Live in the faith zone, not the safe zone. Keep stepping out. Next one is unidentified disloyalties. People whose hearts appear to be with you, but under pressure of circumstance and time, what is inside comes out. You notice that? That People can say all the right words, I want to be your friend, and it looks really good, but you sort of feel a little bit unsettled, and after a few months, when the pressure comes on, and they've got to pull their weight in the relationship, all of a sudden you see what the agenda and the, the unidentified disloyalties that are underneath, because the pressure will always bring out what's inside, have you noticed that? Paul, when he was on the island of Patmos after the, getting shipwrecked, the, he was get, gathering some sticks for the fire. When it was thrown in the fire, all of a sudden a snake came out and bit him. 
It didn't come out until the fire exposed it. So sometimes God will allow a little bit of pressure in relationships to reveal what's in our hearts. It's at that time we choose to work our way through and deal with the, the snakes and the unrealistic expectations and the unidentified heart disloyalties. It's when you deal with it, you can then move on. Or if you don't deal with it, you'll end up being torn and walk away. And that's a challenge when someone ends up being disloyal to you. Betrayal. Jesus went through it with Judas. He knew he was going to betray him and he still let him sit at the table and gave him communion. Wow, if if anyone knew about betrayal and disloyalty, Jesus did. So when we go through it, he can help take us through the journey. How awesome is our Lord? He's just so amazing. And God's there. And the last one is uncontrolled charisma. Samson was a man of great calling, gifting of personality and power, but he didn't have sufficient character. Charisma and gifting may bring you into a place of leadership and influence, but character and wisdom is what will keep you there. I'll say that again. Charisma and gifting may bring you into a place of leadership or influence, whether that's in church or community, business, friendships, but it is character and wisdom is what will keep you there to flourish and function. And that's where the grace of God works in our lives. Psalm 25, 21, May integrity and upright protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. And one more verse, Proverbs 11, 3, 10, 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. As the, uh, was it the Indians used to say, he speak with forked tongue. In other words, he says one thing but does another. Or he keeps changing, depends on who he's talking to. And God says, hey, let's, let's put that stuff aside. Let's come and let Jesus restore our souls. Let him, let us deal with those seven yous that can destroy friendships. And some of us have been hurt by those, or sometimes we've inadvertently done those. And we need to say, God, forgive us. God, restore us. Some of those people struggle to fully trust God. They think, wow, a Christian somewhere along the line did at least one of those, maybe all seven of them. And you rightfully, your heart is now cautioned. You build walls of security. But Jesus comes to pull down the walls brick by brick. He loves you and said, I'm going to release you so that you can flourish and function. He's going to deal with the insecurity of your life. Tonight I'm going to... uh, continue a message that just wraps this up and I'm going to talk about insecurity and how Jesus can heal and restore our souls from insecurity because all of us have it in some area of our lives and yet Jesus was the most secure person who's ever walked on this earth. I want to look, little, look at the life of Jesus and see how he was so secure that even when other insecure people are around him trying to destroy him, undermine him, reject him, the security of God in him helps change their lives. How awesome is when you're with someone who's just not perfect, but just whole and secure within their relationship with Jesus. And we wonder, how awesome is it? Because you feel safe with those sort of friends. You feel safe with those sort of people in your relationships. And that's what Jesus called us to grow into and become. That's Christ-likeness growing. 
1 Corinthians 13 starts to grow in our hearts and you'll be able to tick off more of them and say, wow, I used to only have one out of ten. Now I've got actually six of them doing okay and another three are really doing well. There's only one that's really undermining me. How awesome is God's grace? It's not a works thing. It's a relationship thing with Jesus. It's being led by the Holy Spirit, living out the Word of God, and relationships grow us into who God's called us to be. How awesome is that? I thank God for this church family where we grow in relationships. We work on, serve on teams, and, and you, you find out the gifts in people, and you, you inspire and encourage, and there's someone there to support you when you're having a tough day. There's someone there to have listen to your heart. There's someone there to give you a word of encouragement. There's someone there to prophesy over your life. There's someone there that will dream with you and, and see the possibilities that could come. There's someone who will help unravel the junk of the past and say, hey, you don't have to stay under that. We're going to find a way through that and we're going to rise above that. Oh, I just feel His presence right now touching hearts. There's some people here and you're carrying a whole lot of stuff that has locked up some parts of your soul. There's brokenness from the things of the past, but the Spirit of God saying, we're going to arise. We're going to rise and show our community what love really looks like, what relationships can be in our households. We're going to learn to follow Jesus in the way He treated people and how He lived out life. Let's stand in His presence today. I just think our Lord is amazing. He just reveals His grace. Oh, Jesus. Just reach out to the Lord right now. I just feel His love just drawing close to a whole lot of people's hearts. This is just a heart message today. Why don't you take a moment to just let the love of God just fill and overflow your heart, saying, Lord, I need more of that. Lord, some of my friendships and some of the junk of my past relationships and and Lord, even some of the fears of you, Lord, it's just been just dragging me down and overwhelmed. But Lord, I want to grow in you. I want to live in your freedom. Lord, I want to be able to forgive and love and flow as you did. Just reach up to heaven for a moment. Just reach your hands to heaven as a point of surrender saying, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my past. I give you my, Lord, I give you all of my relationships. I want you to make an act of surrender. Saying, Lord, I give my heart, but Lord, I give my, my key relationships. Of if you're married, your spouse, if you've got brothers or sisters or children or parents, you've got close friends, you've got people you work with on teams in our church or your workplace. Why don't you just as an active student say, Lord, I give you the people that you've placed in my life at this season. And Lord, I say, fill me with grace. Holy Spirit, if there are some things that are snagging and conflict and strife, saying, God, I'm just really struggling to get past that or get over that, or to let go of that wall or discouragement, why don't you surrender to God right now and say, Jesus, heal my heart. I give that to you. Lord, help me to see those precious people as you see them, created in your image. Maybe not doing it right, but Lord, help me to see them as you see them and treat me with them with the grace that you treat me. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to show love so that our lives, our church, they'll say, wow, I know who they are by the way they love one another, by the way they support and care and listen and encourage. 
Yeah, just give those people to God right now. Why don't you pray a prayer of blessing on if there's one or two <clears throat> that have been just a snag, a challenge, maybe a difficult teenager, maybe a distant person who once was close. You say, Lord, I give them to you right now. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.